Welcome to the Structural Engineering Channel podcast, a podcast focused on helping structural engineering professionals stay up to date on technical trends in the field and also to help them to succeed in their careers and lives. In this episode, we will have two guests. First, we'll be talking with Alistair Sohn, who is the Director at Structural Safety. That is the group encompassing CROSS, Confidential Reporting on Structural Safety, and SCOS, Standing Committee on Structural Safety. We will be talking to Alistair about CROSS UK, CROSS International, and expansion into the U.S. We will then speak with Glenn Bell, who is the Senior Principal at SGH and President-Elect for the ASC Structural Engineering Institute about the expansion of CROSS in the U.S. And we also pick Glenn's brain a little bit on his career. He's had over 45 years, the very successful career, so he gave us some really great career advice. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Fasano. I'm a licensed professional engineer who practiced as an engineer, but eventually decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book entitled Engineer Your Own Success and have traveled the world helping engineers build their core or soft skills. And I'm your other host, Matthew Picardle. I'm also a licensed engineer, a structural engineer practicing in California with an undergraduate degree from Cal Poly Pomona and a master's degree in structural engineering from UC San Diego. I also host the new YouTube channel, Structural Engineering Life, through which I'm focused on promoting the structural engineering profession to engineering students and young professionals that aren't too familiar with the industry perspective. Through this podcast, Matt and I plan to try to bring you information that can help you succeed in every single episode. Now, before we get started with today's episode, this is a free show and our sponsors help us keep it free. So we ask that you please support them. And now I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, CSI. Computers and Structures, Inc. is recognized globally as the pioneering leader in software tools for structural and earthquake engineering. Software from CSI is used by thousands of engineering firms in over 160 countries for the design of major projects. CSI software is backed by more than four decades of research and development, making it the trusted choice of sophisticated design professionals everywhere. Listen up later in the show where I will tell you more about their great software packages and how they can help you. We also want to give a shout out to the Structural Engineering Institute of ASCE, or SEI. SEI is a dynamic community of more than 30,000 members from around the world, advancing and serving structural engineering while influencing change on broader issues that shape the entire civil engineering community. Gain technical, professional, and leadership experience by participating in your local SEI chapter or graduate student chapter at an SEI conference or through an SEI committee effort. Their website is www.asce.org slash structural-engineering-institute. And Matt, real quick, why don't you let the audience know about the scholarships that are available for the SEI Congress, because I think that's something that some of our listeners may be able to benefit from. Yeah, especially if you're a student or a younger professional, SEI gives a lot of scholarships to the SEI Congress. That's actually the first one that I attended, and that's opened up a lot of opportunities and networking. Uh, that's where you know I got to meet Anthony in person and get to know the community. But they definitely have a lot of scholarships that will help you fund your trip to the SEI Congress. 
Yeah. So check that out. It can really get you going and really, really build a network, which is something that Glenn Bell is also going to talk about in this episode. So with that, let me first introduce our guest, Alistair Sohn. Alistair has extensive experience on UK and international construction projects. He is the former member of Building Regulations Advisory Committee for England and chair of the advisory panel on Part A Structures. He is also a member of the Ethics Committee of the Royal Academy of Engineering and the Advisory Group on Temporary Structures, I-Struct-E Committees. Alistair is also the Visiting Professor of Civil Engineering at Liverpool University. All right, let's jump into this episode first with Alistair Sohn. All right, and now we'd like to welcome Dr. Alistair Sohn, Director of Structural Safety, onto the Structural Engineering Channel podcast. Alistair, welcome. Thank you for having me. Alistair, we're excited to have you here, uh, of course, to talk about CROSS, and we're going to really dive into that. We're going to talk to you, of course, and to Glenn Bell on the U.S. side of things. But before we get into CROSS, what it is and the importance of it, tell us a little bit about your own background, just for the audience. I'm a chartered uh, structural and civil engineer. I studied at the University of Edinburgh, did a PhD there a long time ago. I then was involved mainly in consulting engineer and ran a practice in the UK, which specialized in structures, high quality type structures. And I became particularly interested in safety. That's my background. And I've worked not only in the UK, but in many countries around the world. All right, so let's dive into the focus of the episode today, which is CROSS, Confidential Reporting on Structural Safety. What is CROSS? What is the the purpose of it? The purpose is to collect information which would not otherwise be published in relation to the concerns of engineers or events which have taken place about which the engineers have information. I would not normally get to see the light of day. We have a process for collecting that information and then providing advice on how other people can avoid similar issues in the future. What's an example for when you say, you know, information that might not come to light? Can you give us an example of that? There are two main kinds. There are the concerns. For example, an engineer might be concerned about a piece of software and not know quite how to handle it but he has discovered something or she has discovered something and they would like a wider audience to know about it, they can report it to us. We never reveal the identity of the reporters and we never blame anybody, but we can publicize information that's software of a generic type may need to be used with caution. That's one example. Another one might be where something has gone wrong in site. On a site, there has been a precursor, for example, a minor collapse, which. if allowed to continue elsewhere, could have resulted in much more major collapses. So we're very keen on looking at precursors, publicizing information about those, and helping other people learn lessons from them. It's confidential, so that's good. So in case a structural engineer finds something, like you mentioned, in the software or maybe even a site visit, how do they go about getting the type of report to you, I guess, and how do you guys uh, publicize that? Like, what's the process and how do you get it out to the public in the UK? We've got quite a sophisticated process, which we learned, in fact, from the US. 
it began with aviation safety reporting process developed by NASA for the Federal Aviation Authority. And we talked to them when we first started CROSS about 15 years ago. They're the people who originated the method of confidential reporting that we use. So people can go to our website. They can then fill in a form and that information contains their name and their details. But it, thereafter, that information is not used and is certainly never publicized. We then de-identify the report, and there are very few of us who see the original reports, and we strip out names of sites, names of products, anything that might be used to identify a particular event. And we then have a panel of a dozen or so experts, and those are experts from all fields, from academia, from consulting, from contracting. And they look at the reports, the de-identified reports, and provide advice from their experience as to how these same type of events might be prevented. That information is then condensed and edited into a response. And the original report and response, after having received permission from the reporter, are then published on our website. And the more important of these are published in quarterly newsletters. And if we get a series of uh, really important similar events, then we will publish alerts. Alistair, the, the website that you're referring to, is that the structural-safety.org? It is, yep. I'm on the website now, and we'll link to it for sure. And you can see some of the newsletters right there on the website. For example, the July 2019 newsletter, you can see, I'm just, I have it open, I'm scrolling through it, and I see an article, you know, defects in tapered thread reinforcement bars for coupling. There's an article, there's some pictures about it. Just to be clear about this and just to kind of go back to where we started for a minute, if I am a structural engineer and I'm doing a site inspection on a site and I see something that I'm worried about or concerned about for structural safety of a building, but I'm not necessarily comfortable with saying something about it to my company or to the contractor, whoever, in that instance, I can go to the website and file a concern. Is that accurate? You can, but we, we don't have any powers to take action. Most of the reports you see will already have been resolved within the company. For example, that one on tapered threads and rebar um, connectors. That will have been spotted by somebody on a site. They will have dealt within their company and they will be comfortable with the outcome. And they will also be comfortable then with telling us about it. We will never use their names, but we're not whistleblowing. We're not the port of first call if there is some urgent safety matter to be dealt with. We're more concerned with learning lessons from events which have taken place and probably been resolved within the company's concern. If something happened on my project site and we worked together with the whoever the architect, the design engineer, the contractor came up with a solution, we can then report that to Cross. It will be then it can be a confidential way reported out to the industry so that they can learn from this what happened on our site. Exactly so. That's quite correct. How is that uh, different from, let's say, a forensic engineer? Let's say an accident happened on the site. A forensic engineer would typically go out there and you know, file a report on what he thinks happened. How does that relate to uh, Cross? We're very close to the forensic engineering community, but a forensic engineer would normally report on a specific instance. So their report would contain all sorts of names, details of products and other things. And very likely that report would then be constrained in some kind of legal process whereby the information is not generally revealed to others. 
There was a great deal of hidden information given in reports about events which take place should they get to the desks of lawyers. We don't relate to a particular site. We don't relate to a particular event. We, we use the information generically as a learning process to help other engineers and ultimately, of course, to improve public safety. You basically get through that whole loophole of hidden information and just say, hey, guys, here's what we find out. If you have some type of uh, similar condition, make sure to watch out for this. So it seems like uh, that's like the fastest way to just get the information out there to the public. Yes. And for example, we get contractors who write to us and say, we find your newsletters extremely useful. And every time they come out, we will gather together all our project managers, all our site managers, and we will go through your newsletters to find out if there are any similar instances on our sites or anything we could learn from them. So it has a positive impact. That's great. The newsletters are great. Again, I'm scrolling through them. They're lengthy. They've got a lot of interesting examples in here of photos and things of that nature. So you could see what exactly is being referred to. What I think is great about it is that, kind of following up on your point there, Matt, when I think of a forensic engineer, a lot of the times, not all the times, but a lot of the times they come out when there's an issue or there was some kind of a failure, something happened, something went wrong. I feel like in this incident, you could have something on a site that was a problem and it was remedied and it wasn't, didn't necessarily get to a failure point or thankfully maybe no one got hurt, but it's still something that warrants other structural engineers knowing about in the future. And so you have this system of putting it out there that's a safe system which I think is valuable because I think as engineers, part of our duty is an ethical duty, is the safety. I mean, the safety of the public is the most important thing that we have to think about. And having this safe system to be able to communicate these things, I think it's a big benefit. I think it's great. The sharing of the information is really cool just because it's, in my structural engineering firm, it's, yeah, we share information, but that information, it takes everyone's experience and it only goes basically within our company, the lessons learned. But like with Cross, I think it's it's really great just because it, it basically gets the lessons learned to everybody, not just engineers, but the contractors also in the public. As long as the engineers are reporting them, which I think is part of the reason that we really wanted to highlight this system on the podcast, because we do try to work and, and be in touch with ASCE Structural Engineering Institute, who kind of gave us the lead on this episode. And so thanks to them because they're constantly trying to get the word out on things like this that can be very beneficial to the community. And so with that, Alistair, what are some lessons that can be learned from the development of CROSS in the UK to date so far? We publish every couple of years a summary of what we have done and what we've achieved. And I think you'll find those on the website. And the latest one, which is probably linked on the first page, is to events taking place in 2017, 2018. And you'll see that we have influenced thinking sometimes at government level, sometimes at that code level, and sometimes in cultural change taking place within the industry. We have become a, a repository for information which is not otherwise available. And for that reason, we, we do get asked by government, for example, for assistance when there is um, a need for lessons to be learned about major incidents. We've got a lot of examples which have proved to be useful to the community and proved to be useful to individual engineers as well. That is the Structural Safety Group Review 2017-2018, which was published in May 2019. We'll also link to that report in the show notes for this episode of the Structural Engineering Channel podcast, which you can find at structuralengineeringchannel.com. What's really great about this, as you can hear from this conversation with Alistair, is what you're building is a lot of really important data that's very useful 
for structural engineering professionals. It's kind of a, this bank of data that can help to improve performance, avoid issues on sites in that safe, confidential way so that people feel comfortable about reporting these things. Data is a big thing in today's world. So the key with data, of course, is organizing it and making it easy for people to use. And it certainly looks like that's something that you're trying to do, Alistair, which is great. Well, thank you very much. No, that's what we do. And, a, and an important point to make is that we are completely independent. We need some funds and we get those from the professional engineering institutions and we get a bit from government. But essentially, we are independent in what we say, what we think and what we do. And I think that's important so that we can be a, a trusted source of information. The independence is important because it's not, there's no you know bias on the writing or any opinions built in there, which is great for something like this. Again, it's about the data. It sounds like the data is... Like you said, it's that unbiased avenue which can make people feel comfortable when coming to an organization like yours to report something of this nature. Matt, you're on more sites and involved with more details of structural projects than me, but I would imagine that the kind of resource can make you feel comfortable. I went through the report last night and it was my first time seeing it. Obviously, um, I know it's not implemented here in the, the U.S. Uh, that much yet and we can talk about that, but I just looking through it, it's... There's a lot of good things that, you know, definitely relates to safety, but also in the design of structures like components and cladding that you may not be too concerned or when you're designing something, you may not be too concerned. But once you look at these types of lessons learned, it's something that can definitely uh, help you out if you're a, a structural engineer. So Alistair, in terms of the focus moving forward here with cross and structural safety, I mean, it seems like in terms of what you're producing is top quality and, and highly valuable, it sounds like one of the challenges would be getting it out there so that more people in the industry are aware of it. So is that something that you try to focus on and kind of the marketing or just getting this out in front of people? We do. And we've received a lot of um, publicity in many ways for the wrong reasons, following the tragic Grenfell Tower fire in London two years ago. And this was when a, a multi-story block caught fire and there were 74 fatalities. Now, as a result of that, during part of the government's inquiries, they came to us to gather information about the, the culture of issues on sites, not necessarily related to fire, but related to the performance of the industry generally. And that has resulted in the government making a recommendation, the UK government, that CROSS be expanded considerably in terms of structural safety, but also that it be expanded into fire safety. We are starting to implement both of those within the next um, 12 months. And that will, will give us much greater publicity, much greater input, and of course, greater opportunities for improving public safety. And what's exciting to me about this whole initiative and this organization is that it's driving a very positive, I don't want to say change, but it's a very positive outlet for engineers to do these types of things. And it's something that not everyone knows about yet. So the challenge in this is getting the word out there, but you're growing something very important. And that's really important to the civilization, basically, because these are the impacts that we can, these disasters that we can try to help to avoid with this. So I think what you're doing is a wonderful job. And I know that it is, as Matt said, it's not as prevalent, of course, in the U.S. at this point, but it's something that is being worked on. I know you're working with ASC's SCI to help get that done. And we're going to have a conversation here with Glenn Bell in a few minutes on that as well. But is that the plan is just to continue to expand this as you can into other countries and other regions? There is a grand goal, which is to have a truly international hub 
where all this data is stored and will be freely available for anybody to use. Because that's another thing. We, there are no charges for people using the data. Anybody can access it. We have got a, an active scheme going in Australia. We have got a scheme in Southern Africa. And the next one on the block will be Germany. So that will be four or five organizations all inputting data in a unified format in such a way that people in, for example, America can learn from what people in Australia have found and vice versa, or people in some part of the world where they've got no cross system at all, but they still need to know these lessons, can learn simply by logging onto the international website. Essentially what this is, is it's a big knowledge base to share knowledge with on information that people don't necessarily feel comfortable sharing. You're creating a very safe haven for very important information to be communicated that people not necessarily would throw around without that safe haven. So it's that's what I think makes it interesting. Yeah, it basically gets like the main deterrent about reporting if you messed up on something. That I think that's great because that just takes away that excuse on like there's no consequences to sharing your lessons. It'll just benefit everybody. And yeah, I think that's great. We'll start to wrap up here. But the one challenge that I can see with this is, sounds like your organization is relatively small and everything is free for people, which is great. And I think an important part of it to grow it in the way that you're saying in terms of like having it in all these countries and making sure that it's unified and uniform. It seems like that that's a really big project. I know you're trying to continue to get funding, but it seems like it's going to be a big challenge. What's the plan for that? Is it just continued reaching funding through some of these other organizations? Well, it's taken us 14 years to get to the present stage. So it's, it's not been uh, particularly fast. It's taken, and this is something that NASA said a long time ago, it was it'll take you 10 years to become fully integrated with industry for industry to trust you. So I don't regard this being particularly rapid. The funding will come from organizations within the countries concerned. For example, ASCE stroke SEI will, I'm sure as Glenn will tell you, provide seed corn funding across US. Sources of funding will tend to come from professional groups and ideally from government sources, because as this is going to help public safety, government should bear some of the costs. But also because a lot of the activity is voluntary. For example, all the experts who give their, their views, they do it for nothing. I'm just the tip of the iceberg in there. The costs are not as high as they would be if it was a purely commercial organization. So the, the plan is to develop along the model that we've got and see how that goes. The work that you explain, in, for example, in Australia, Germany, the infrastructure that gets created for these other countries in terms of the, I don't know if it's a website, a system, et cetera, is that all done by your organization, by your staff? Yes, it is. At the moment, the website that you see, which has got links, if you go to the international box, you'll get a link to Australia, for example. So we host the hub and we have set the model for which others use, but they use it because they choose to use it. It's not that they couldn't do it or wouldn't do it. But they accept that that's an, a way to go forward and join in with what we're doing. Just thinking in terms of growing it, so at least your organization is the central organization and as funding comes in and as you grow and you know continue to get the word out there more, you would, I guess, just expand your staff to try to help continue to grow it globally, right? Yes. We have a business model, but it's based on this uh, continued independence from commercial sources. I think it's a great thing you're doing. Uh, Matt and I appreciate you giving us some time here on the podcast because we do think 
that cross is important and we want to get it out there to the structural engineering community, especially here in the U.S. where I know there's going to be a, a kind of push to get this out there, which we're going to switch over here and talk to Glenn about. Alistair, thank you so much for spending some time with us. We will certainly be sharing and spreading the word about your organization and the work you're doing as far and wide as we can here on the podcast. Well, that's great. Thank you very much, Anthony. And thank you very much, Matt. All right. Alistair gave us a real good priming on CROSS, what it is and how valuable it can be to the structural engineering community. And now we're going to transition into our next guest, Glenn Bell, who's going to talk about the expansion of CROSS in the U.S. Glenn is currently Senior Principal of Simpson, Gumperts, and Hager. With offices across the U.S., SGH is engaged in the design, investigation, and rehabilitation of buildings and structures of all types. A structural engineer by training, Glenn has been employed at SGH full-time since 1975 and was its CEO from 1995 through 2016 and its board chairman from 2015 through 2017. Glenn has had primary responsibility for major projects involving structures and building envelopes. Glenn is very involved in industry leadership in areas such as the future of AEC practice and delivery methods, learning from failures, engineering education, and industry research. And in terms of ASCE Structural Engineering Institute, Glenn is on the SCI Board of Governors, and he's the president-elect of the organization. He also serves on the board trustees of the Institute of Structural Engineers in the UK, which facilitated his connection with CROSS. But really, we're just excited to get to talk to someone who's had over 45 years of experience in structural and forensics engineering, and we're super excited. So with that, Glenn, welcome to the Structural Engineering Channel podcast. Thank you very much. A pleasure to be on. Glenn, we had a really good conversation earlier with Alistair Stone, and we're going to go into that with you and Cross and recently launched here in the U.S. But before we dive into that, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about, you've had a long and successful career in the structural engineering world. Maybe you can give kind of a glimpse of it to our listeners. I studied structural engineering in school. I came out of school and like many in the profession, became a structural design engineer, mostly working in the building areas, some area with bridges and so forth. Did a lot of design Along the way, uh, several years into our career, uh, my company had the opportunity to do some investigative work on some pretty catastrophic failures. For me, the most notable in 1981 was the famous or infamous uh, Hyatt Regency Walkways failure in Kansas City. And I was involved in investigating that on behalf of our firm. And that had a real impact on me in terms of the causes and consequences of structural failure and the gravity with which we all as structural design engineers work. Since then, I've had a passion for learning from failures, from studying them to make sure that we don't repeat, that we learn from them and make sure that we don't repeat mistakes and uh, other problems. And so I got involved in various ASCE activities, the Forensic Engineering uh, Division, which I helped to uh, co-found in 1984. I also was involved in the development of the ASCE Journal of Performance of Constructed Facilities, which, among other things, publishes case studies. Um, So I've had this lifelong passion. And I think a lot of my interest in the subject comes from the fact that for, you know, really millennia as builders, as designers and builders, We did great things without more modern mathematical theories of structural engineering. 
you go back to the Gothic cathedrals, tremendous structures that were built to great heights and great spans before we had computers, even before we had any mathematical theory of engineering. And we achieved great things by building and then learning from our observed performance. And as mathematical theories sort of came into play, along the line, we somewhat lost that ability as a profession to learn from uh, what we have built, the good and the bad. And I really think it's very powerful. We should be working along both paths of continuing to look at the observed performance. You know, I like to say that our built environment is really our living laboratory and the true test of our success as engineers and builders. And so we should be doing more of that. Along the way, you know, I think that challenges in a legal environment and some of the embarrassment and other problems that may be brought on by talking about mistakes and other problems openly, I think, have impeded that. And um, it really is the, you know, I came to realize the CROSS program, which was developed in the UK and has been very successful in 2005, has overcome some of those challenges and has been quite successful and has shown I think a good way to work confidentially and through an organized system to be able to share lessons from failures. So when I learned more about CROSS and particularly the ambition to bring CROSS international, I got very involved with others in the U.S. and bringing it here. That's very interesting, Glenn. I think just from a career and life perspective, I think it's important learning from failure, quote unquote failures, I guess you could say, is always important especially in the engineering world, because like you said, you can learn the most sometimes from something when it doesn't work out, unfortunately. But the Hyatt Regency is something, is a case that we always hear about, of course, kind of an infamous case. Was that something that you got called in on or you involved in it? Our company was involved in performing an investigation of the causes, the technical and procedural causes of that. And uh, my boss at the time, Howard Simpson, who was one of the founders of our firm, was called in and he asked me to help with that. There were other engineering firms um, involved as well as the National Bureau of Standards, but I spent quite a bit of time personally studying that failure. And I will say it had a huge impact on uh, my career and my view of our obligations to society, for the safety of society. And it made me realize that we do little, too little in our profession to learn from each other. I think learning from the performance of our built environment should be part of every structural engineer's education and be really embedded in our industry practice. It looks like that was, you know, going out there and seeing these failures it seems like that was the case or kind of like the motivation for you to get into start forming these forensic committees. And it looks like it eventually led you to kind of get into CROSS to see the problem that, hey, we do need to share more of our failures. Is that the case? It most definitely did. And I think others too. There were a rash of failures around the time of the high regency, Hartford Civic Center, Kemper Arena, uh, the Cocoa Beach condominium failure were all notable cases from around that period. And that's what caused me, and, and certainly not me alone, but others to begin talking more and helping to share lessons learned. And we've done a lot of good stuff, I think, in the States in the decades since the Hyatt failure. But CROSS has really shown us a way through confidentiality and anonymity 
and having a sustained organization and effort to be able to do things in a more systematic way and to encourage people to share lessons from failures in a way that we haven't been able to before. You mentioned with the rise of computers and mathematics, we kind of lost the ability to learn. How did that happen? I guess, how did you notice that? It really happened over the course of about a century. As mathematical theory came into play, we began to rely more and more on that and less and less on observed performance uh, to the point where the mathematical theory almost completely replaced the observation of performance. At the same time, I think there were some societal changes in the advancement in litigation, in society sometimes reluctance to talk about and to share failures that maybe were an impetus, or I should say not an impetus so much as an impediment to learning from observed performance more. So again, CROSS has overcome, I think, some of these challenges. With regards to CROSS, Alistair gave us a good understanding of it and how it works and how to report something. And they've got amazing resources on the structural safety website in terms of some of these items that have been reported all out there and available. What is the plan for trying to implement it in the U.S.? I know it just recently became available in July. Is it something, I'm assuming ASC's SCI is one of the, we know that they're contributing to help get the word out there. What's the plan? We've been working on the planning of bringing CROSS to the U.S. for about two years now. And it came, I think, sort of in parallel from Alistair's advancement of the CROSS International Scheme. And I think it was aided by my personal dual connection of the Structural Engineering Institute in the U.K. and SEI. And so I was able to engage in some conversations there to help it get going in the U.S. But right now, uh, we are operational. We are an entity of the Structural Engineering Institute. So Cross U.S. exists as an organization that is part of SEI. We have an executive committee that reports to the SEI Board of Governors. That is a a seven-person executive committee. We also have a 12-person executive panel, uh, expert panel, that helps us evaluate and glean lessons from uh, failures. So we have our own uh, website uh, presently, which went uh, live on the 1st of July. It looks very much uh, like a clone of the Cross UK website, but ours is, the URL is cross-us.org. And you can go on that site. You can contribute reports confidentially. You can go through the database to look at the, what has been input uh, both in the U.S. and the U.K. and elsewhere in the cross system to date about failures and lessons learned from those failures. And uh, the wonderful thing I think about it is the system is um, open without charge uh, to all. Glenn, this is all great. It's it's exciting to see SCI providing this resource. I mean, it seems like a very valuable resource. And, and again, Alistair really opened up, I think, for Matt and me, really explained how it can be helpful. So what is your message to structural engineers here in the U.S. that are just finding out about this, that are kind of thinking like, when should I use it? What would your message be to them in terms of just how it's useful for them? My message would be, Get involved, develop a passion for learning failures. It's really important. You can go on the website at any time and search 
uh, by keyword for particular topics. You can uh, sign up on an email distribution list for free. So when new reports are published, uh, you automatically are, receive an alert that there's new information on there. I know of organizations in the UK where engineering and construction companies where they regularly share and discuss the cross reports within their organization to learn from them and ask themselves how they can use those lessons learned individually and as an organization to improve their practices and help avert the repetition of mistakes. So study what's on there, number one. Secondly, any professional who is involved in, say, standards writing committees and so forth and other organizations that are looking to improve practice, we want CROSS to be the vehicle where lessons learned from failures will directly go into the improvement of our codes, our standards, and other elements that define professional practice in the U.S. So please take those lessons learned and uh, use them to help improve our written standards of practice. I would encourage people to contribute their own reports confidentially. The system is structured in a way that everything possible is done to provide anonymity and not to identify the project, its location, or the players involved. It's a no-blame culture really focused on sharing lessons learned for the common good. And it's structured in a way that it doesn't take a lot of work to contribute a report. We have an expert panel that will do the heavy lifting and the preparation of final reports and the lessons learned and so forth. So we're trying to make it as painless and as confidential as possible to submit reports and also not a lot of work in terms of that submission. We have a great expert panel, very well qualified ready and willing to do the work of taking raw information and putting it into refined lessons learned and reports. Yeah, those are great points. I mean, for me as a structural engineer, the things that I can just take away from that right now is, you know, sign up for the newsletter, they'll give you reports. And once you download those reports, you can have like a lunch to learn at your office and review it with um, other engineers in the office. And also knowing that, hey, if you ever see something you can always go confidentially to the website and, and file a report. Absolutely. And we welcome all types of sizes of failures. One of the important aspects of CROSS is that we have as much to learn from the precursors, the near misses, the lesser incidents as we do than the catastrophic ones. And those lesser incidents happen with far more frequency, so there's lots of them to build upon. That's a great point. It's not always the catastrophic failures that teach you the near misses can be just as valuable, if not more in some instances. Glenn, before we let you go, because we're excited to share across and we're definitely going to do our best to do that along with SEI, but I want to ask you just a couple last career questions since you've had, again, such a long career. You spent over 20 years as a CEO and you've been involved at the highest levels of associations. What was it like to your career and still to today? for those out there to be working on initiatives that have so much impact on your industry as a whole? Because I think in terms of getting involved with associations or getting into leadership positions in your company, to me, I feel that that's something that is exciting about it. It absolutely is. I mean, it, it really is an opportunity to make an impact for the benefit of society. 
more than on a project by project basis. An initiative like CROSS or serving on a board of governors, or if you're so fortunate to be the president of SEI, you have an opportunity to make an impact on a huge profession that daily benefits society. And to be able to play a role where you can be so impactful is really a privilege, and it feels great to have the opportunity to do that. We at Simpson, Gumpert, and Hager encourage all of our engineers to get involved in in some measure in giving back to the profession, and uh, I would encourage anyone to do it. It's great for your career. It really is a very satisfying uh, thing to do. Over 45 years of experience, you're still excited to keep on moving and, and keep doing things, keep going. I am. I got a lot of years to go before I've given back everything I feel that I can. So, yes. You know, I didn't have all of the time when I was CEO of SGH to be as involved as I am in today because my day job as CEO was pretty demanding. But what I'm doing now is really exciting and one of the things I'm doing in my post-CEO career. And I feel there's a lot of work yet. There's a lot of time and energy to continue to contribute. Yeah, there's a lot of work. And, you know, that's something I encourage too. Um, When I talk to younger engineers, you know, I always ask them, besides going to work, what are you doing to to benefit, you know, your profession or even uh, make an impact? And I think that's one of the great things that anyone can do if you're still a young structural engineer and, and looking to advance your career. Definitely something that definitely helps. You can. And there's a great network out there, I have to say. I mean, I have a network of structural engineering colleagues at this point from all over the world. I consider many of them to be my personal friends as well as colleagues. And it's just a great, great uh, group of people. Well-meaning, hardworking, high integrity, great group of people to be involved with. So at at all levels. And I've been doing this sort of stuff since I was young, and uh, it's been worth every minute of the input there. Well, Glenn, the uh, profession is lucky to have someone like you who's been doing things like this for so long. We're happy to have you here just sharing some of your career insights and letting us know about CROSS. We really appreciate the time that you spent with us today. Well, thank you for the opportunity to talk today and to help us get the word out about CROSS. uh, I think it has the potential to be a real game changer for our profession and for society. So I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Glenn. Okay, thank you. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode really focused on CROSS and its expansion into the U.S. We do think it's something that's very important and we did want to highlight it. And we really thank Alistair and Glenn for taking some time out of their busy schedules to help us do just that. Now, before we wrap this one up, I would like to once again recognize our sponsor for this episode, CSI. CSI produces five primary software packages, SAP 2000, CSI Bridge, eTabs, Safe, and Perform 3D. Each of these programs offers unique capabilities and tools that are tailored to different types of structures and problems, allowing users to find just the right solution for their work. SAP 2000 is intended for use on civil structures such as dams, communication towers, stadiums, industrial plants, and buildings. CSI Bridge offers powerful parametric design of concrete and steel bridges. ETABS has been developed specifically for multi-story commercial and residential building structures such as office towers, apartments, and hospitals. 
The SAFE system provides an efficient and powerful program for the analysis and design of concrete slabs and foundations with or without post-tensioning. Perform 3D is a highly focused nonlinear tool offering powerful performance-based design capabilities. With CSI products, you can be confident that you have the finest structural engineering software available backed by a company with an unmatched record of innovation and an unrivaled commitment to meet the ever-evolving needs of the profession. You can learn more about them at csiamerica.com. So again, I hope you enjoyed the episode. We will link to the websites, of course, for both Cross in the UK and the US in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at structuralengineeringchannel.com. Look for episode number eight. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. And really, we're always looking for your feedback. If you like the show or don't like the show, feel free to reach out to us. Again, you can contact us through structuralengineeringchannelpodcast.com. And until next time, we wish you the best in all of your structural engineering career endeavors. Mm -hmm.